My fellow nerds, welcome back to the round table. I am Antonio Padilla, and I am your Arthur. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Cliff Miller. He is my Lancelot. Say hello, Cliff. Hey, what's going on, guys? All right, all right. We got a today's going to be a very interesting episode because <laughs> uh, there's not a whole lot of big uh, geek nerd news to talk about, so we're just gonna gonna keep it very casual today. Um, uh, right away, though, at first, I want to say something uh, because next week we're not going to be on the air on Sunday because uh, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be traveling all day Sunday, so. Uh, we're going to try and do the show next Saturday. So just a heads up to anybody out there listening, uh, join us Saturday for a special episode. So yeah, just wanted to get that out of the way first. So Clifford, where what are we going to discuss first? Well, you know, we've talked about our favorite superheroes. We've talked about our favorite supervillains. Well, we've never mm-hmm. actually talked about, like, our favorite comic book movie. So I kind of wanted to lead the conversation off with that. Um, you know, it was funny. It was interesting because the reason I bring it up, right, was I had a few friends the other day, and we were talking about the Halle Berry Cat, Catwoman movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got brought up that it was the worst movie ever made, in which case I literally dropped my jaw, and I looked at these guys, and I said, are we serious right now for a second? We're really going to put it. Halle Berry Catwoman as the worst movie of all time, like comic book movies. And people ask me, well, what do, you, what do you think was the worst movie? And I said, without a doubt, Batman and Robin. <laughs> and uh, some people were laughing because they thought that was funny. And then someone else brought up Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. So I was like, well, it's an interesting conversation. So if we're going to talk about the worst movies, what is your favorite movie? And some people had a lot of mixed reactions. And I actually had one person tell me Daredevil, which I was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to have to very disagree with you on that one. Well, here, here's the thing. Before we, before we get into it, because um, you, you just mentioned it, uh, I really enjoy the director's cut for Daredevil. Uh, that movie is really good. Uh, the theatrical cut obviously has problems. But, yeah, yeah, no, the... And it's funny because I was talking to a buddy of mine a couple weeks ago about that movie, specifically the differences between the theatrical cut and the, the director's cut. The director's cut is rated R, and it's surprising just what warrants the R rating in that movie because it's not even that it's uh, graphically more violent. It's the sound design in the fight sequences, like the, the impact of the punches and everything is much harder. And, uh, yeah, and it, it shifts the tone of the film uh, drastically. So, yeah, yeah, I just kind of want to touch on that real quick. Like, the director's cut on Daredevil is solid. Theatrical cut, not so much. But, yeah, like, oh, man, we could go on and on about some of the worst <laughs> comic book superhero movies of all time. But I'm actually interested, because uh, this is a, a subject that people have uh, very different views and opinions on. So, Cliff, I want to ask you, what's your favorite superhero comic book movie? And you can name more so, than one if you want. Go ahead. Yeah, so, like, for me, right, um, and I think you and I are both kind of in agreement that um, X-Men 2, X-Men United, 
Definitely mm-hmm. has to be in, like, that top five kind of market. We've always talked about that. Sure. And then we've always talked about, um, you know, uh, for me, Days of Future Past has to be in that top category. Like, you have to be able to talk about that as well. I thought that was very well put together. I thought the solid blending of, like, both worlds really worked out. I thought it was really great. I didn't appreciate the fact that Logan was the one that went back in time because, mm-hmm. as most of us know, like, through the comic book world, it was Kitty Pride who set everything straight. But aside from that, I thought the movie was done very well. Uh, another movie that I would have to also throw in that top five, obviously the Avengers, because the first Avengers was by far on fire. It was a great movie, oh, and yeah. I don't know dope. how you make a billion-dollar movie and you just, like, you don't include that in there, because that's just crazy. <laughs> and then the other two top movies I would have to put in there, um, Logan, because we finally got to Wolverine that we all expected, that we all wanted. I thought, like, the movie was a lot darker and grittier made a lot of contrast difference from what the first, um, even like X-Men Origins, even Wolverine, and as well as all the other X-Men movies. I thought Logan was the movie that we actually needed to have, um, that just needed to happen. And it was great to see. It sucks that that's how the movie was going to end, the series was going to end. We all kind of knew that was what was going to happen, but mm-hmm. fuck Jerry Seinfeld. Let's just be honest with that. He kind of... <laughs> If it wasn't for him, like we would never got this amazing movie. But then again, we would never got the we would never got what we got. You know what I mean? Like it would have probably continued on. And then right. lastly, there's there's no reason not to, but Daredevil has to be also included in that category because or not Daredevil. I'm sorry, I'm a Deadpool has to be included in that category because Deadpool was like on a whole new level of what we needed to have happen to revamp like the comic book world. Like Ryan Reynolds did an amazing job as Deadpool. Wade Wilson was on point. I thought the supporting cast was great. T.J. Miller did a great job for someone who I I more regularly like to watch him die in every movie instead of or do a voiceover because just I'm not a huge fan of T.J. Miller, but it's cool that he's there. And then aside from those five movies, right? I think Spawn and Blade need to be talked about more often. We discussed it before on this show on this uh, on a previous that. Blade was the Kickstarter to all the comic book movies and the way they took off and, you know, and that Blade was an R-rated movie and that was really, really good. We've, we've discussed that numerous times. And, uh, yeah. and then Spawn, I mean, you just cannot knock Spawn. Like, uh, Michael Jai White did an amazing job as Al and you had John Leguizamo playing a great uh, violator or clown, however you want to see him. But I just think those two movies, like, have to be discussed about in depth. And as far as for me, for like a favorite movie of all of those, man, it's got to be a toss up between Spawn and Deadpool because Spawn was, you know, John Leguizamo, with all due respect to Ryan Reynolds, was Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds came along. Like, he was very sarcastic. He, you know, he honestly just like made that role of clown just stand out that much further. And I think. Deadpool, like, had a great cast kind of around him, but, you know, he had to carry that movie. If you didn't have Michael J. White as Spawn, it could have been, and it would sound crazy to say, you could have had almost anybody playing Spawn in that movie, and John Leguizamo, as a supporting character, would have made that movie still great. And uh, it's just, it's cool to see, and it's one of those things, and visually it did win special effects back in 1997, which is 20 years ago, and we still talk about this movie, how it just came out. It seemed like it came out yesterday. You know, and even if the graphics seem cheesy now, back then, it was ahead of its time. And I, I have to say, like, 
just talking about it, man, it just makes me want to go back and watch it again and again and again and again because that movie was on point every step of the way. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I'll, like, yeah, I totally agree with you with uh, John Leguizamo. I don't think that guy gets nearly enough love, uh, and he deserves it too. He's incredibly underrated, and I've heard people say some pretty terrible things about him, but no, man, that dude, like you said, man, I'll give you that one. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Uh, Deadpool is definitely one of the ones that I'd probably put on my my top five. Uh, that movie is almost flawless, and honestly, it's uh, it's a miracle that movie even got made. I mean, that version of the movie, because I mean, you know, you and I discussed at length prior to the movie even coming out, like, you know, like sure they're probably gonna do it, and he'll probably look like Deadpool, but it's probably going to be a really watered down version of it and that's going to really suck but you know hats off to them for going uh r-rated and and really not not putting the kid gloves on him so yeah deadpool (laughs) deadpool is a great uh comic book film um i do have one or two nitpicks with the film like but like i said it's almost flawless so yeah no that's a great movie um but my favorite comic book superhero movies of all time. Uh, I know this movie is very recent, but uh, you know this. I've already talked to you about it. But for anybody who doesn't know, like uh, Wonder Woman took the number one spot for me because uh, that movie just gave me so many feels. And like the it's just such a well-made movie. The filmmaking in that movie is is on point from the cinematography to the writing to Patty Jenkins uh directing and the 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 cast in that movie is fantastic. Like I didn't realize I said this to to somebody before but I didn't realize how much I loved Robin Wright until I saw Wonder Woman, which is such an odd thing to say cuz she's a staple of American cinema for the past what 30 years. And for yeah. me to watch that movie and be like, oh, my God, I love this woman. That's just how great she was in that role. And that's just how great that role was for her. Like, you know, it made me really appreciate her, even though, like, yeah, she's in some great movies. The Princess Bride, Forrest Gump. She's on, uh, oh, what is that show? House of Cards. It's and, and she's great in all of those. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that movie uh, to me is, again, almost flawless. So, yeah, that's my number one. Uh, for the longest time, I, you know, I have to bring it up. The Dark Knight, for the longest time, The Dark Knight was my favorite. And it was starting to look like it was almost impossible for any any movie to dethrone that. But, you know, here we are. Um, like you said, uh, X-Men United, that movie still holds up. You could... I, again, I recently rewatched that movie, and it, it still holds up. It's 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 awesome. It's great. Everything from the 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 story, the script, the direction, the cast. Um, although one thing that becomes very apparent upon rewatching that movie is is how sorely missed Alan Cummings' Nightcrawler was after that movie because he only appeared in the one movie. I mean, yeah, we have. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee playing the character now, but you know Alan Cumming only had the one crack at the character, and he nailed it. You know he he did great. He did a great job as the character, and uh, 
yeah, I, I wish we would have gotten more of that going forward. Unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, yeah, X Men United is is a great movie. It's it's you know it's a, it's an allegory for persecution and uh, this idea of like um, ah, you know what the the other great thing I love about that movie the 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 way that like Professor X, you know, he gets taken by William Stryker and Magneto has to lead the X-Men. That's one of the great things about that movie. It kind it kind of turns that relationship on its head. And it works so brilliantly cuz it it adds that that element of like oh, well we have to work together and obviously he's more experienced, but can we really trust him? It's great. It's great. And you know, you you learn in the end, like, oh no, we can't trust him because he's still got ulterior motives. But yeah, no, that movie is great. I love that movie. Um, Days of Future Past is probably up there as well. Um, what are some other? Uh, the Winter Soldier, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Uh, to me, The Winter Soldier is still the best Marvel Studios film. Like, I know everybody goes on and on and on about Civil War, quote, um, air quotes, Civil War. But to me, uh, The Winter Soldier is still a better movie. It, It's just, it's so much, it's, it's heavier in its themes and it's, the execution is so much more flawless in that movie. Uh, all the twists and reveals in that movie still pack a punch, even though guys like you and me, we already knew Bucky was The Winter Soldier. But that reveal in the movie is still super powerful, even for guys like you and me. So, yeah, no, no. Uh, the Winter Soldier, definitely on my list. Um, and I'm going to make a controversial choice here, but anybody who knows me, uh, this is not going to shock any of them, but I stand by Batman versus Superman. The ultimate edition of that movie is, I'm going to say it, it's orgasmic, <laughs> okay? Like, if you've never seen the ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman, you are cheating yourself out of a truly amazing experience. Any problems you might have had with that movie in the theatrical cut, I swear to you, I'm not saying this as a fanboy, I swear to you, they are ironed out, they're fixed, everything is 100% perfectly explained to you in the ultimate edition. So... That movie is also on my list. So, yeah, go ahead and flame me if you want, uh, if you disagree, but I don't care. I stand by that movie to this day. You know what's wild, too, man, is that, like, I didn't include The Dark Knight or Wonder Woman, but I would t I would agree with you. I mean, those two movies definitely need to belong up there, you know? And then, like, another movie that you and I would openly say that we agree with that, that should be on that list as well is Batman 1989. I mean... A movie that got yeah. reimagined by Tim Burton and brought back over and got said, hey, this is this is our new Batman. Because for a long time, remember, you know, during the 80s, like, DC was like, you know what? We tried our hand at, like, this real-life comic book heroes. It's not working out, so we're just going to do cartoons. And, like, mm -hmm. then here comes Batman 1989, and bam, everybody was like, this, this is what a comic book hero is supposed to look like. And then it kind of faded out, you know, because we had Batman Returns, and it kind of faded out, and then... Um, you know what's funny, though, man, and I'll be honest, I'll be one of those guys on the side that says this, I liked Batman Forever. Like, I know a lot of people out there were like, 
Two-Face like overacted and Tommy Lou Jones was over the top and blah, 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 blah. But I liked it. Like, I liked Val Kilmer as, as Batman. I could care less about Chris O'Donnell playing Robin, but I thought he did a great job supporting-wise. I thought Jim Carrey did a good Riddler. I thought Two-Face was great. I liked the fact that Drew Barrymore and Nicole Kidman and uh, what's her name, uh, Fazenka for, for Jada. Um, that was uh, Debbie, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Debbie Mazur, Mazur? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I know who you're talking about. But yeah, I love the fact that all those characters, like all those people were in this movie and they all knew that they were all supporting roles and they did a great job. I thought it was. I thought, you know, and I'm not a huge Joel Schumacher fan by any sort of imagination because I think sometimes he does over-the-top kind of things, like, for instance, Batman and Robin. But I thought Batman Forever was really good. I thought Val Kilmer played the Bruce Wayne that needed to be be done when 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 he's Bruce. He's very mild, very, very chill. And when he's Batman, he's more like into the thinker role. He understands like the problems and he knows how to fight back. Where like we got a Christian Bale who I thought Christian Bale by all means to respect with the Dark Knight trilogy. Thought he did a great Bruce Wayne, but as Batman was maybe missing the point. And maybe it was a suit that made him look so cool that you were like, you know what, he doesn't really have to say anything. But I really liked Val Kilmer as both roles. So if I could take, like, um, if we could take Val Kilmer and put him in the Dark Knight trilogy, I think that might work better for me, and that's me personally. I just didn't like Christian Bale, like, sound like he was, like, horsed all the time in a Batman suit. Where's the Joker? Where's Batman? Like, I just felt like that was just a little too much. But one concept that I did like from Batman and Superman that I think should be moved and should have been something that could have been used in 89 as well as Return and all the other Batman movies was the voice changer. Like, I thought yeah. that addition yeah. to the Batman movie was great because it muffled his voice enough to where you couldn't tell it was Bruce Wayne, but it gave enough to where you're like, you know what, he's, like, that serious about it. And I thought mm-hmm. that was good, too. Yeah, you know, I'm going to... Oh, Clifford, I am so glad you said something because this is something I, I've been saying the same thing for years about Batman Forever. Like, I feel if people, look, I get it. I get where people are coming from. I still think they're wrong. But if you think, if you honestly think Batman Returns is a better movie than Batman Forever, then you're a moron. Okay. (laughs) Like, I feel like Batman Forever unfairly gets lumped in with Batman and Robin because, you know, obviously because Joel Schumacher, but they are very different movies, even visually. I mean, they're somewhat similar, but not identical by any stretch of the imagination. If you watch those movies back to back, they are very different films. Um, And Batman Forever, I feel, gets hated. Here's the thing. I remember when that movie came out, you know, I was swept up in the hype for that movie just like everybody else. But I remember specifically when it came out, everybody, everybody was like, oh, this is much better than Batman Returns. Because I remember I also remember the backlash to Batman Returns. And the thing is, I still uh, I still I think Batman Returns is a trash film (laughs) Uh, to this day. I think it is like that's Batman Returns is Tim Burton's ego run wild on the Batman franchise. 
uh, and that's kind of why I don't like it. But Batman Forever is a much better film. I put uh, Batman 89, which, like you said, you brought it up, and I'll say this about that movie. You can watch that movie today, and it still holds up. That's how solid that movie is. But I'd put Batman Forever right next to that movie. You know, they're both quality films. Batman Forever maybe is not as solid, but it definitely deserves to be up there with it. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because that bugs me to this day that people hate on that movie the way they do. Like, it's nowhere near as bad as people make it out to be. Like, nowhere near. And it doesn't deserve the hate that it does. Like, yes, it's Joel Schumacher, but here's the thing. Uh, You kind of brought this up, too. Like, I feel like people hate on Joel Schumacher now just because of uh, Batman and Robin. But the man is a very talented filmmaker. Let's not forget, this is the guy who gave us The Lost Boys. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. So, you know, and and, and I'm not, like, making excuses or anything, but Joel Schumacher, because I've had this discussion as well with other people, with other film fans, with other comic book fans and whatnot, but Joel Schumacher was just following orders on Batman and Robin. Yes, that doesn't excuse him because he could have said no. He could have walked away from the project, and he didn't. But, you know, Warner Brothers at that point, you know, Clifford, you know this better than anybody. The 90s was a very different time, especially when mm-hmm. it came to, like, superhero cinema. And at the time, Warner Brothers was concerned with making a movie that appealed to families, and especially kids, which they could use as essentially a giant toy commercial. And Joel Schumacher, I heard him say in an interview one time that this was the first and probably only time in his career that he had heard the word toyetic used to describe a movie by a studio person. And and that's exactly what that word meant. It meant that this this film was specifically meant to sell toys two kids. That's why Batman and Robin is so over the top with its number one, uh, uh, the costume design, the vehicle design, uh, everything about that movie is designed to sell toys. And you can tell just by looking at it. Everything in that movie looks like a giant toy. So, yeah, no, no, no. Like, that movie's bad. I'm not saying the movie's not bad. It's bad. It's terrible. And obviously mistakes were made but like i was saying that was a different time and joel schumacher love him or hate him was just following orders yes he could have said no yes he could have walked away from the project but you know unfortunately that's just the way it is but you know like aside from that right so we'll we'll hop on this batman seven robin train that we've now just tangled that we've even <laughs> if the movie was designed to like aim at kids and to sell toys and make a family film project. Like, the biggest problem I had with Batman and Robin wasn't the visual effects. It wasn't even the one-liners that Arnold Schwarzenegger spoke oh, numerous times after numerous times. <laughs> and it wasn't even the fact that Uma Therma, like, she played a well... And you know what? She might have been like the highlight of that movie. She played a very well Poison Ivy. She did a great job with it. My problem, and it started from the beginning when Barbara showed up and said that her last name was Pennywise. Like, that's where the movie died for me. Because I was like, you know what? You just hurt my heart. I don't even care anymore. Every single person that's a Batman fanatic knows that it's Barbara Gordon. 
not Barbara Pennywise. And at any time, you could have done this. You could have had, you could have had Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dr. Freeze. Oh, my God, Mr. Freeze. You could have had him attack Gordon, knock him unconscious, right, put him in a coma or something in that effect, and then had um, Gordon, or Barbara come back and find Bruce. And they could have had a conversation, and then from there it could have kind of went on. Instead, you try to tie this, tie, tie this knot in where you're like, Alfred is sick. Oh, no. And now Barbara Pennywise has come through, and she's, she's the niece, and she's coming to try to take care of him and take him home and blah, 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 blah. And then come to find out she wants to be Batgirl. Well, first of all, yes, those all could have made mate. Those could have gotten that way, but the story should have been more focused. You could have had the exact same situation happen to uh, Pennywise, to Alfred. You could have had it happen to the commissioner, and you could have made the movie about the commissioner and how Alfred is trying to help Batman find a cure for the disease. But that's not what we got. We had this yeah, yeah, yeah. shitty tie-in, this this horrible tie-in to a movie. And it just, it never worked. It never worked out. And that was literally, I think, the worst part of the whole movie. And that's where I, like, fell out of love with it. Because I remember when it came out, and I was like, this is this is wrong. Like, we all grew up with the animated series. We all know Barbara Gordon is, is the daughter yeah, yeah. of, we know Barbara is the daughter of Gordon, Commissioner Gordon. Like, it's crazy. Even, like, you cannot just, just animated spit. Series, like. The the anim, the Adam West series as well. I I think that was my first uh, introduction to Batgirl, and even then, you know, she was Commissioner Gordon's daughter. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly with what you're saying. I had this discussion as well with somebody else because we were talking about that movie, and we were talking specifically about how poorly Batgirl was done in that movie. Like you don't you don't change because look, however you feel about Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, he at least, for the most part, got everybody's origins correctly. Uh, and then for, for for that to be the one character that they're like, oh, well, we, we have to change this. It's like, really? Really? Because as you were saying all that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, they could have had... Because honestly, one of the saving graces to that movie, for me, is the whole Alfred is dying subplot. Because that actually gives you a lot of heart and emotion to that to that film in an otherwise totally uh, vacuumless movie. Uh, but I agree with what you're saying. Like, because I, I feel like if you if you wanted to bring in Batgirl and you still want to do the whole Alfred is dying subplot, you could have easily had like Commissioner Gordon also be have him dying from the same thing, and then that would tie Barbara into the plot. Right, because then it would be this interesting parallel where Bruce is trying to save Alfred because that's the only family he has left, and then Barbara would be trying to justify what she's doing as Batgirl for the same reasons, like oh my father's dying too, and I'm trying to save him, so why can't we work together? Like you know what I mean? Like that would have worked so yep. much better. So yeah, no. No, you're right. I agree. I agree 100% with what you're saying. It's just, and it's the one thing that kind of threw me off about the whole movie because I was like, you know what? Like, I can't, I can look past every other mistake that happens, but you messed up this one origin and she's one of the three main characters. And just aside from that, like, you messed up the three main characters in this movie. I can't look past that. I can look past Bane being a big dummy, 
like little lackey. I can look past that in a sense because, you know, we're talking about mixing like steroids with like herbal toxins and that's how we get him. And maybe, you know, maybe Poison Ivy put something in there to kind of mind control him, you know, to help mind control him. But, you know, and that's, and I mean, aside from that too, man, we have a Bane who is like a lackey. Like why is Bane a lackey? He broke Batman's back. Like he is smarter than Batman. He's stronger than Batman. Like, he's a better fighter than Batman, and you mean to tell me that he's just going to run around and just, like, pretty much just run into stuff? Like, come on, man. The first thing about that was, like, just that, like, he couldn't even talk. All he could do was just say his own name. That was the worst. (laughs) Because, I mean, aside from from the horrible characterization of the character, he looked like comic book Bane, and I think that's that's another thing that bothered me about it is like he looked just like the character from the comic books, but then he was nothing like the character, and that's one of the worst offenses you can commit in one of these kinds of movies. Yeah, that was the worst impression of Groot that I've ever seen. <laughs> I was gonna make a Groot joke, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just it to me it's just mind boggling, you know, and this like I know like I know that they were trying to strive to make this movie, but I feel like they were just like shoving characters in there because they might have thought it was like the last one. You know, a- another character that you could have thrown in there just as easily just to make it like I think it would have been better. I knew they wanted to do like the girl on girl combat, which is why, you know, they brought Barbara in for Poison Ivy. But mm-hmm. I would have liked to see Doctor Crane in that series. Like I think in yeah, that series yeah. it would have been great. He did. He definitely fit well with the, like the Dark Knight trilogy, which I definitely was very appreciative. And I just think that, like, you know, I think I think like I said, if you took Val Kilmer out of Batman Forever and you put him in a Dark Knight trilogy series, I think you have probably as close to a ten movie as you can get, aside from the Dark Knight Rises. Mm, right. And it's funny you bring up. Um... Uh, Scarecrow, because, um, you know, he was supposed to be the villain in the the fifth movie in that franchise. Like, because they were going to do a sequel to Batman and Robin, and he the Scarecrow was supposed to be the villain in that movie. Um, and that's kind of why he ended up in Batman Begins, because, you know, when they decided, oh, we're just going to, we're just going to scrap all this and start all over again. That was like the one holdover that they kept like this happens a lot though with uh reboots like how um dr connor's the lizard was the villain in the first uh amazing spider-man you know because that's a character that never really came to fruition in the sam raimi spider-man movies uh and then uh i'm trying to think of another instance of this happening but it happens a lot so yeah, yeah it's interesting that you bring that up like um we really got deep into to dissecting Batman and Robin, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and that's kind of where I knew like this conversation was going to end up going was because we we openly talk about like the issues that we had with Batman and Robin, especially as regards to like the other franchise, uh, other movies. And by the way, just on the uh, on a side note, Batman Returns. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, man. I didn't like the movie as much as I liked Batman 1989. But I love Michelle Pfeiffer in it. And to okay, be honest, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. she might be number two, like, of my favorite Catwoman. 
with Anne Hathaway being number one, I just thought that she playing Celine was, like, on point, and then after that, it would be Michelle Pfeiffer, and then Halle Berry, because, like, I mean, it's Halle Berry, let's be real. Can't just not include her in that saga. But, um, well, she might be fourth, actually, because Adam West, Adam West, um, that series, like, that Catwoman was really good, too. But, um... There were three. Yeah, I know, I'm trying to... Which one was in the movie, though, than the, the Batman, the, one, the Adam West movie? The, the one in the movie was Lee Merriweather. And she's probably yeah. my favorite of those three as well. Uh, then it would be Julie Newmar, then Eartha Kitt. Uh, Eartha Kitt was a great Catwoman, too. Like, I I always bring that up. Like, I feel like people don't really talk about hers all that much, but I really enjoyed hers. Mostly because she 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 could do the, the purr which was yeah. great, and I feel I felt that that really worked in, in that world, you know, in, in the same world where uh, Burgess Meredith's uh, penguin did that weird, what was that? He was, that, that weird penguin squawk that he would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I feel like those two kind of go hand in hand. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I yeah, honestly don't know where I where I would put Halle Berry, uh, because, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If we're talking just physically, sure, she goes on that list, like, pretty high up there. But uh, performance-wise, yeesh, I don't know. I don't know. She might be sitting at the bottom of you, something like that. Yeah. yeah I just think that, like, like, that movie, like, I, I guess you could take each movie and you could find individual pieces that you could take out and ultimately make, like, a great movie with different mm-hmm. actors, right? So, as I said, like, Val Kilmer, to me, I thought he was kind of... He'd probably be my top top two Batmans mm-hmm. of all time. Maybe top three, depending how you want to argue with Adam West to convince me mm-hmm. otherwise, because I think, I think it goes Michael Keaton, right, as number one, then Adam West, Val Kilmer, kind of flip-flop between two and three, and then after that, you'd have Christian Bale, and then, um, then you would have... Uh, yeah. Well, I don't even want to include George Clooney on that list because he just was awful. I don't think awful. anybody includes but, George Clooney. <laughs> I don't think George Clooney includes George Clooney. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I know for a fact he doesn't include himself. <laughs> but I just think to myself, like, if you could take, like, maybe you take Michael Keaton from Batman 1989, you could take uh, Uma Therma from Poison, as Poison Ivy, you take uh, Anne Hathaway from the from the Dark Tril- the Dark Knight trilogy, and you can take actors all together and make them into like that one kind of awesome badass ultimate movie. Like, yeah, I think you definitely got it. You know, I mean, we still have to find a Mr. Freeze because I'm gonna be honest, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not convinced. Like, you can't convince me that that's not. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Like, and I, I, I always talk about that too. Like it's ridiculous that we're supposed to believe that Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, uh, didn't they say he was like a Nobel Prize winning physicist or something? Yes. It's like really Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I love that they try to explain why he's so, he's so buff and jacked. Like they say that he, they make an offhand remark about how he's a, he was a, a gold medal gymnast and it's like wait a minute so yeah. you tell me 
in addition to being like a brilliant scientist, he also had time to compete in the Olympics as a gymnast. Like, I don't know. No, I don't buy that at all. Even in a world as over the top and ridiculous as this, I don't buy it. No, so, definitely can't yeah, do it. No, that didn't work for me at all. So, but it's weird because if we're going to talk about, if we're going to touch on Arnold and Mr. Freeze, like, I don't know if you're aware of like, um, cause apparently Joel Schumacher was only interested in two actors for that role. Uh, the first one was Sylvester Stallone and he turned it down. <laughs> and then, uh, his second choice was Arnold who, as we all know, accepted the role. Uh, but his justification for that was he wanted someone who looked like they were chiseled out of ice. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 guess, <laughs> I, I guess that makes sense, but I'm still not, I'm still not on board with that. So, no, yeah, then no. case, you might as well have said, hey, let me take Jean-Claude Van Damme and put him as Mr. Freeze. Yeah, no, exactly, because like, it's like, like, if Arnold had said no, who knows where he would have gone with that? <laughs> like, you know, like you said, it could have very well been Van Damme. It could have been Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> you know, guys like that who were still sort of at the top of their game back in the day. But here's the thing. I'm going to say this right here, right now. This is an opinion I've had for a long time. I feel like had Arnold said no and Joel Schumacher just kept going down the list of, like, action movie stars, I feel like eventually he would have arrived at Bruce Willis. And honestly, <laughs> I, I think Bruce would have done an okay job. Like, you know what I mean? I, like, he's a good enough actor. And, I mean, he already rocks the Mr. Freeze haircut. <laughs> so, but then again, Oddly enough, was, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Bruce might have been in a better role. You know, like, I'm going to ask you, and I want to see where you take this. If you could pick a Mr. Freeze now, mm-hmm. who would you take? Probably Bruce Willis. <laughs> like, straight up, even to this day, I would probably still pick Bruce. Yeah? Yeah. I think, he, I think he'd be great. I think he'd be great. Um, yeah. What would your thoughts be on Clive Owen as Victor Clive Freeze? Owen, you know what? I like it. I really like it because I like Clive Owen. Uh, you you know that I've been a fan of his since uh, Sin City. So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, the only thing the only thing I really have a problem with with him is uh, his American accent is kind of iffy, just just in spots. But I mean, like you know, if he could figure that out, like I'd totally be on board with that. Totally. We wouldn't have to. What's so cool, though, if you think about it, you wouldn't have to figure it out because what you literally could do would be like, you know yeah, Victor Freeze, Victor, Freeze, Victor Freeze was a brilliant London um, scientist who came to America to study re- or to research uh, cryogenic, yeah, totally. cryogenic freezing. And you could totally, it's not you're changing the story. What you're doing is just adding one feature to it, and it's not going to throw him off because he can still use his accent and still rock. I think, I think whatever Batman movie gets done next, right, because we're already talking about uh, Jared Leto playing a Joker in the next Batman movie. For, for those of you who who love a rock and don't know that, um, mm-hmm. but I think I think the introduction of Mister Freeze in this world as mm-hmm. 
Clive Owens, I think 100% worse. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to ask him to shave his head. You can, I mean, look at what they did with Gotham. I thought Gotham, I Victor Freeze, yeah. was a great job. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about that, um, Gotham's Mr. Freeze, uh, though tonally very different, the the design actually harkens back to the Adam West era Mr. Freeze. I don't know if you ever saw him, but he had hair too. And a very similar costume, which I think is kind of cool that they do that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like, I, I'm on board with you with everything you just said. Like, yeah, Clive Owen, let's do it. I'm on board. Make that happen. Come on, WB. Hear us out. Make that happen. That's, that's who happen. we want. Like, I'm make it a teaser, you. too. Yeah, straight up. Like, like how, how, I'd be on board it, with that. Could you imagine, though? Like, imagine this, right? Imagine so, um, like, Ben Affleck and Jared Leto, right? They're having their big final fight, right? And then, like, as Batman starts to take down Joker, right, he, he arrests him and stuff, and then Commissioner Gordon goes, hey, we've been, been getting some reports of um, sub-temperatures. And then, like, as he says it, right, like, the road is iced out, right? And then it screams up a little bit, and then there's Mr. Freeze, right? And then, like, they show, like, a side of his face, and he, like, smirks, and it ends. And that's how you know the next, who the next villain is going to be for the next movie. Like, like oh, my God, it's Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, man. Like I'd, do, be so, I'd be so to, hyped. And to do little teasers like that, I think doing little teasers like that would be amazing. Because, like, even in a dark night, right, and I think this is something we both can agree on, when Bruce was looking to lighten up his suit so that he could move his neck around, He's like, well, it will stand a dog bite. And then, you know, Morgan Freeman was like, it'll withstand a cat. And, like, yeah. you're like, oh, my God, he's talking about Catwoman. Like, yeah, 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 and then you're like, oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dark Knight trilogy kind of, in a lot of ways, uh, in addition to a, the, the numerous things they got right, not just even about Batman, but just in, in filmmaking, and specifically superhero filmmaking, um, kind of the, the, the teasers and the, the, the Easter eggs in those movies are on point. Because I know you, I, at least I hope you remember, um, you and I saw Batman Begins opening night at a midnight showing. And mm-hmm. do, you, do you remember how exciting it was the first time we saw that final scene where when Jim Gordon hands over the, the evidence bag and Batman flips it over and it's the Joker card. Do you remember how oh, yeah. like do you remember how hyped everybody was when we saw that? Like oh, oh yeah, man. no, I remember I, I, I remember how how hard how fast my heart was beating when I saw that. Yeah, I remember when they turned over that car, too, and we were both like, oh, we know who the next guy's going to be, and we were just <laughs> super excited about it because he had just taken out Ra's al Ghul. You know, Scarecrow was still kind of somewhat in the movie, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, they flipped the car over. I remember you and I were excited, and then, like, they announced who was going to be Joker, and I remember, I, I remember me, at least, I don't remember about you, but I remember me having so much backlash about Keith Ledger playing Joker, right? Because I was like, whatever. He just got done doing Brokeback Mountain with Jake Gyllenhaal. This is going to be terrible. I didn't know we were going to have Brokeback Joker. And I remember just, like, <laughs> hating the fact that Keith Ledger was going to play 
Joker. And then he came out with Joker, and I was like, oh, my God. I take everything back I ever said about Heath Ledger. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's, fu- it's funny you bring that up because I remember, I also remember my reaction to that. And my reaction wasn't negative because... I remember at that point, Heath Ledger had proven himself as an actor already. You know, he wasn't just a pretty face anymore at that point in his career. However, my reaction, it wasn't, I wasn't angry and I didn't hate it. I was just confused by it because I was like, I remember my reaction was just like, I would have like never in a million years, if somebody had said, who would you cast as a Joker? I would have never said Heath Ledger. Never, never in a million years. So I was just confused. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I don't hate it because he, he is a talented actor, but is he the Joker? I don't know. I don't see it. And I I remember wrestling with that for like, yeesh, a good, I honestly don't remember. I think it was when we saw that first, like, full-length trailer, you know, the first time anybody saw any glimpse of his performance. I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, holy crap, he did it. Like, he, he did it. Like, he nailed it. And, and and that's when I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm all right with this. You know, it's funny, so, man, because yeah. I remember when, I think it was you and me, remember, because they had the code, right? Like, you had to, like, you had to figure out all the codes, to get the secret picture of what Joker was going to look like. And there was, like, different riddles and stuff you had to solve. And, like, I remember when we solved them and we saw that black-and-white photo of what Heath was going to look like as Joker. And I remember looking at it, it kind of strange. Like, I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm looking for here in this picture. But then when they showed him, like, in the trailer, right when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, bro, this is going to get wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I I actually almost forgot about that. But yeah, people probably don't remember the Dark Knight had one of the best viral marketing campaigns of all time. Like, cause you would have to participate in that to get like your first look at the Joker. Like, I remember having to unlock that first image, and then there was was it one of the other ones? Right, that was how we unlocked the first trailer, I think. Yeah, no, there was a movie poster. Remember, because it was a Why So Serious poster. Oh, right, right. There was the po- Oh, and you remember... Oh, I remember one of the other ones, too. This one was super crazy. It was a it was a literal, like, egg hunt. Or, or no, what do they call those? Um, uh, a scavenger hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where certain cities... There were certain coordinates posted in certain cities, and if you were in that city, you were supposed to go out to where the coordinates led you and you were supposed to take a picture of like uh there was a sign or something there and so if when people did that and submitted it to the website or whatever it was it was i don't remember exactly what it was uh whoever it was who was in control of the whole thing would piece together the images and it was a phrase i don't remember what it said but it was something super creepy it was supposed to be a message from the joker uh, and then I remember one of the other weird things that happened during that campaign was somebody got sent 
a cake and on the cake had a phone number and the guy who got it who got the cake said like within minutes of it arriving at his house uh he started to hear ringing from inside the cake and he like you know he opened it up and started digging through the cake and he found a cell phone inside of a, a Ziploc bag and he said like once he he got the phone he opened it up and he would uh, he would occasionally receive messages from the joker on the cell phone and it was his job to like post the messages online and i was like that is one of the most insane things i've ever like heard of like that is crazy like they don't do that kind of thing for movies anymore i wish they would but they don't yeah i remember was insane and I remember um, it's it's just wild that we don't get that kind of work history no more where like I mean let's bring out a perfect example um, uh, was it uh, earlier with the new book that was out we were calling the phone line and like they were telling you to press certain buttons and do certain things and you had to talk to certain people and Pretty much was just like, you know, like, hey, you're about to die. <laughs> and there's no real hope for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was uh, like, they was... don't know, uh, Clifford is talking about The Burning World uh, by Isaac Marion, which is the sequel to Warm Bodies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the book, there's a phone number posted. Um, I mean, it, in the book, uh, it's actually a phone number that some of the characters uh, come across. Uh, and I remember reading that and I was like, oh, this is like a real phone number. I wonder if I should call it. And so I called it and immediately was creeped out by what I heard. <laughs> and then I remember I, I told Clifford about it and Cliff called it. And we spent like, what, a good two days just calling that number, exploring all the different options. And, oh, man, that was one. Yeah, that was pretty insane. And that was for a book. So, Yeah. And there was a website for that too, but the website wasn't quite as quite as awesome. But yeah, man, that phone number was insane. Yeah, that was like the little things like that that happened. It was just it was wild, man. It was really cool. And actually, so one of the problems, right? I'm looking at that post that I was talking about is the one that had the bat. It was a there's like calling cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. And then there was a promo where you had to do like a personality test, and yeah. Hey, Clifford, can you can you hear me, man? You're kind of breaking up real bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that is that better? Oh yeah, that's much better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but we had uh, you know, the you know, like I said, you took the personality quiz and you either got like the Joker card, you got the Batman battering, or you got the Harvey Dent button. So I remember I like remember all of those yeah. those were all really cool. Those were all my favorite ones. But then like you know, it's wild, man, that like you don't get those out of movies anymore. Like I hope I hope when the Justice League comes out like we get like little promos like that where it's like, Hey, Dial this number if you want to speak to 
Bruce, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. And I remember one of the other ones you could, uh, one of the other parts of the viral marketing for The Dark Knight was there was a, a calling list you could sign up for. And it was for like, it was for Harvey Dent. And if you signed up for it, you would get a phone call from Harvey Dent. And that was one of the cool, yep. that was one of the cooler ones as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they kind of, there was a little bit of it for uh, Batman versus Superman, but it was nowhere near as, as awesome. Like, you know, you could follow Lex on Twitter and there was the the LexCorp website that you could go to where they were promoting LexOS. And you could actually participate in the beta for that. And uh, one of the things that people don't, if you watch Batman vs. Superman all the way through the credits, you get a username and a password for the LexOS beta. So if you go back to the website and put all that in, it unlocks some some bonus content. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's never been quite as... Uh, what's the word? It's never been quite as grand as the Dark Knight viral marketing. And I, I, I miss that. I really do. Because I remember that same year... Um, or actually the year before that, do you, do you remember the viral marketing uh, for Cloverfield? I do. Those are like the websites and stuff and all like the coded mm-hmm. messages. Oh yeah. You remember how awesome that was? Uh, even though that movie wasn't that awesome, but yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, the weird thing about that is like, there's backstory in the viral marketing that's not in the movie. So like, I mean, you can still watch the movie without any of that stuff, but, like, you know, if you got all that backstory from the viral marketing, it's, like, it adds kind of a whole new layer to the movie. So... You know, it's so funny, too, because I watched that movie out in Iraq when I was when I was stationed out in Milan. They, they released that movie out to the troops, like, 48 hours before they ever released it in the United States. And when they released that movie out, I remember watching it, and I was like, man, this movie was, like, okay. <laughs> I wish you could get my money back. And I remember I watched the movie for free. <laughs> but then, like, me and my buddy, me and my buddy, we were so bored. Uh, we didn't have a mission one day, so we were just bored. And we were like, what are we going to do? We're like, let's go watch Cloverfield. So we went back and watched it again for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. Hear- That's funny. I remember that movie, too. It- TJ TJ Miller was in that movie and he they died. That That's yeah. also why I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, man! TJ Miller. Uh, that that's kind of hard. I love TJ Miller. I love that dude. He's hilarious. Like I think he's a great comedian by all means, right? But as far as him playing like serious roles, like I am just not with. Like I couldn't take him serious in Cloverfield. I didn't take him serious in Transformers. Like, <laughs> and those were two movies that he just went out in. I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I'll give you that one. Like, I, I tried to watch that Transformers movie. Um, and one of the reasons I got excited about it was because T.J. Miller was in it. But it was like, he wasn't funny at all in that movie. And I was like, why would you, why would you cast somebody like T.J. Miller in a movie and have him not be funny? That was one of the most disappointing things I've, I mean, amongst all the other disappointing things in that movie, 
Like straight up, I tried to watch that movie and I fell asleep halfway through it. So it's funny though because because I do like T.J. Miller and Deadpool. Like I think his personality, his comedic style fits perfect. Like I thought that was oh, the greatest sure. part about him. And I was like, that's why I don't have an issue with him in Deadpool. Like I just don't. As far as him, Big Hero Six, I thought he did a great role with his character. Um, the Emoji Movie, I thought he was great in the Emoji Movie. It was crazy, you know. His voice fit the the theme of the movie. I just think that, like, for me personally, like seeing him, like. I saw him in a movie called, or a TV show called The Burn with Jeffrey Ross mm. on Comedy Central. Mm. And I thought he did awesome there. Like, yeah. he was just, he was funny. He's very quick-witted. But when you put him in, like, these serious kind of roles, I'm like, yo, you know what? I can't do it. Just like somebody else that I can't see, right? So the movie Fool's Gold, right, with Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. And then do you, re- do you know who the bad guy was in that movie, who they were running from? Uh, I don't remember. I saw that movie once, like, back when it came out. Kevin Hart. Was it really? Oh, my God. <laughs> Kevin Hart. <laughs> it is like, uh, well, first of all, Matthew McConaughey is, like, twice your height. I don't <laughs> think I'm running from you. <laughs> That's funny. No, oh, geez, I didn't remember that at all. I might have to check yeah. that out just, just to... Just for that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was wild that he's there on uh, in this movie, and he's, like, talking trash about how he's going to hurt people and stuff. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're not hurting anybody. <laughs> like, wait, dude, you're, like, four foot three. Like, who are you going to hurt? Are you going to chew on people's uh, ankles or something? Like, what? <laughs> I know. Like, I got dogs bigger than you, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, he plays uh, he plays big in the movie. You know who else was in the movie? I didn't realize. Mm. Malcolm Jamal Warner from the Cosby Show. <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah. I, might have to, I might have to check that movie out again. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I saw it once, way back in the day. But yeah, I don't really remember all that much about it. I might have to check it out. Yeah, it might be worth the re- a rewatch. Is that when that movie came out? Yeah. Oh wow. It's crazy. You don't yeah. know that, okay, so something else I want to talk about that was crazy, right? That that I want to get into. Something that was released back in July. Um, the concept suit for Captain Marvel. Mm. That's right. That's right. Like we uh I don't know, we, hate or love it. I kinda like the montage thrown back to it. There's just a couple things like looking back over the suit that I just don't like. And to be honest, it's the uh, the shoulder straps, you know, it gives it that whole cop kind of feel, even though we know that Cat Marvel is not that kind of sit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the suit itself, man, just kind of looks clunky. Like, I, I just saw a video earlier today about um, the Flash suit, right, from D, from the DECU, um, that it didn't, it's not, it's not fitting into, like, the role because it just looks very, very armor type, right? And I kind of feel that same way with Cat Marvel when I look at her uniform, the way the concept are, at least for it. And I don't know how I feel about it, man. I just think that, you know, it's it's it should be looking a little bit more smooth, you know, almost kind of like um, uh, a Black Widow, uh, uh, Hawkeye, or even a, um, an Ant-Man style kind of suit. I just feel like when you start adding, like, metal kind of shoulder pads to it, it looks a lot like Captain America's suit, and it's like... No, I want right. you to look 
like how you need to look. But yeah, what's yeah, your opinion it's, on um, well, it? Well, yeah, it's it's interesting that you you bring that up. I saw the yeah, I saw the image, and honestly, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, my only real problem with it is, uh, uh, and it's not even really a, a a problem that I have. I just I think it looks kind of just a little off, I guess. Is um, and again, this is just coming from from a guy who, for the most part, um, you you know, I'm very much into comic books and everything, and it just feels very strange to me like you know because in the comic book she has that sash that she wears and it's kind of supposed to be like a belt uh and in here in the movie it it's straight up just a belt <laughs> um and i mean that's you know that's fine i get it like it probably look a little weird to have her wearing to just be wearing a sash with no purpose and you know i get that but i don't know man like for the most part i think it looks really good I get what you're saying about like the like the shoulder pads. It does. It very much looks like something on the Captain America suit. But I mean, that's to be expected since you know it's the same guy, Ryan Minerding, who does all the, their concept artwork for them since Iron Man one. Um, and I honestly, that's that's what they like. You know, they like their universe to have this uniform look and feel to it. Um, but yeah, no, and, and keep in mind, this is just concept artwork. You know, the final suit might look very different from this. Just in terms of, you know, the, the way, the way it fits and the way it looks in live action, because, you know, they went through so many different versions of the Black Widow costume before they settled on what they, what they did in, um, Iron Man 2. And even since then, the costume has changed many times. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, you know, concept artwork doesn't always reflect uh what's actually going to appear in the film. So You know, I think you know, that's my other problem too, right? Is that knowing that Cap Marvel is not gonna be attached to uh the Infinity Wars. I like I think I have a huge problem with that. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about including all these great superheroes into this movie and then, you know, we have stage four getting ready to kick off and so what I, I, I guess I got to say it both ways, right? So I see Disney and Marvel saying, hey, you know what? Let's just save her for stage four. We'll make her the face of it since we know that all these other guys, are their films are coming up. And I think my problem, though, with it is that eventually, like, you're going to need her because, you know, she's great. She's powerful. She's one of the only females currently in the in the Marvel cinema universe that has superpowers and you're telling me that you're going to wait until after the infinity wars to bring her in. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow because I think Brie is going to be doing a great job as, as a cat Marvel, but you need to put her in there and get her kind of mixed in. And then you can explain her origin story and her next film. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem odd. Um, especially since like for the longest time they were hyping it up, like, Oh, Infinity War is going to be the debut of Captain Marvel, and then recently they're like, "And eh, no, nope, that's not happening." It's like really, because you got everybody excited about it, and it makes total sense that she would be in there. But I mean, you know, I guess 
uh, I guess they know what they're doing. You know, who who am I to question uh, a winning formula? But yeah, it just seems like a wasted opportunity. Like, why wouldn't you, especially since they, they debuted Spider-Man and Black Panther in Civil War, quote unquote, Civil War. Um, and that seemed to work out fine. I don't, yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't. Like you're saying, they're bringing all of their established heroes together. So why not, why not Captain Marvel? Yeah, that seems very odd and a little disappointing. But you know, whatever. Yeah, so I mean, now now we're talking about Black Panther, you know, Winter Soldier, Captain, like all the guys that you've already established for the last few years. Well, you know, let's be real, last ten years, they're all finally going to come together in this one big picture. And you could always throw, you know, you could always throw her in there and just say, hey, look, you know, she's a cosmic being who came in and she. You know, or you could even put her as like a chase scene to like the Guardians of the Galaxy. It doesn't really matter how you want to introduce her. Just put her in the movie. That's what the fans want. That's what I want. I know that's what you guys wanted to do first. Put her in the movie and let us decide whether it's something that she's going to work out or she's not going to work out. And we'll ultimately, you'll ultimately hear about it. We think the movie is great. Only thing we didn't like, we didn't like Brie. After that, okay, no big deal. Let's move on. But we want to see, we want to see more superheroes in this movie, in this Infinity Wars, and to know that we're only going to get like a handful of those superheroes, it's kind of heartbreaking. Because you know, on the Netflix side, you know, there's a great Matt Murdock. Daredevil would be perfect to be fitting into that role. Luke Cage is doing a great job. I think um, mm-hmm. maybe Iron Fist, maybe you want, might want to tweak Iron Fist. Jessica Jones, right? You can leave her in New yeah. York. She's usually not one to want to get involved with it anyway, but. You could throw more superheroes into this and make it work. And it's just it's right. deflating to see that these guys aren't going to be included as much. Well, uh, and you know what? Like, I, I also want to bring this up. I find it odd that they decided to make, you know, because we're talking about Captain Marvel. I find it odd that they decided to make Captain Marvel's solo movie a period piece. It's set in the 90s for some reason. I mean, I'm sure they have a good reason for it, but it's such a weird thing to do. Because if they are going to have her eventually meet up with the the Avengers in current daytime, you're going to have the same actress play her. I can't imagine they would replace her. And she's going to look exactly the same way she did 20 years ago? Like, And that's like my problem, too, that you could do like... Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, and it was something I kind of referenced, too, when we joked about Deadpool one time, like, before we started this whole thing, was, like, with, like, Deadpool, you know, I mean, you could have had, at any time, you could have said, had Wade say, hey, if you want to see my origin story, there was a guy earlier, this, earlier in this franchise who came out with an origin story, and I was attached to that. You guys just check me out there. And, um, and I feel like if you're going to throw something back to the 90s, and say, hey, you know, she's fine in the 90s, but she doesn't age because she's a superhero, then F, you might as well throw Rogue in there, too, and say, and she lost her powers at one time. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because, and for some people who don't know, um, the reason why Rogue became the person that she is was because she drained Miss Marvel. (laughs) Yeah, straight up. 
That's why she has like the super strength and she can fly and all that stuff. But yeah, she still has the ability to absorb. Yeah, and it's it's weird, um, you know, because I brought up the fact that they wanted to make it a period piece and they're setting it in the '90s, and it's like I can't, I can't help but think that Wonder Woman had something to do with this, you know, because they did the Wonder Woman movie and that's a prequel. It's set in World War One. But the thing about Wonder Woman is she's immortal. She doesn't age. <laughs> like I like I and you know, like maybe maybe just my lack of knowledge on, on Captain Marvel. Like you probably know her better than I do. Like does is she does she have any of that at all? Um, as far as I remember, she's I I don't remember her being uh I remember her being like immortal. I don't remember her having like that ability. I thought she no, was just like. Doesn't she get her powers from? Is it the Kree, or is it? Yeah, she gets from the Kree. Because I know, like, they're also talking about like in this movie, they're gonna start including the scroll. Yeah, they said she's gonna, she's gonna fight the scrolls. And I know, like, the scrolls and the Kree have this big uh, story where they're they're at war with one another. But yeah, yeah, that that's kind of my knowledge. Like, right, like she gets her powers from the Kree. Um, yeah, and as far as I know, she's not immortal. But I don't know. Like, I I also want to bring up the fact they they already mentioned they're gonna change her origin story because they said something. They said that the the traditional origin for Captain Marvel is too similar. To Green Lantern, which I don't, I don't get that at all. But um, yeah, and maybe they're just trying to justify whatever changes they're going to make to her origin. But you know, whatever. Again, well, no, because I mean, like, who am I to question them? <laughs> well, no, because Carol, Carol entered the Air Force, and she was, um, she was a pilot because she loved flying. Like, that was right. her thing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I can understand because, you know, that was the same way with, with Green Lantern. Oh, but what made it different yeah. was that she accepted a position to be in the NASA. And that's ultimately mm-hmm. how she got to, to, to you know, she met uh, the uh, one of the Cree warriors, um, Cat Marvel there, or Marvel. Yeah. Marvel. And that's how, yeah. Yeah, that's how things started to, to kind of happen. Um and eventually, like, she kind of got into the bond and stuff, and that's how everything kind of worked out for her to, be, to have her powers. But she's not immortal, so there's no reason to have her in the 90s piece because by the time you bring her into 2017, she's already aged. Yeah. Like, maybe not significantly, but she's aged. And how are you going to justify putting her, and could you, how are you going to have her ignore what's going on in New York right now? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, she doesn't pay attention to what's going on in New York. She doesn't pay attention to what's going on in, um, was it for Age of Ultron 2? Where were they again? Was it uh, Kazakhstan? Sokovia. Sokovia. And Sokovia, like, they don't, like, they don't ignore, you're, not, you're just going to have her ignore that? You're going to have her ignore what happened with, uh, in DC? Like, come on, man. Like, stop playing. Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing that bothers you, me about you have it. Her in movie. It, it creates a continuity error. Because if they're saying she was active in the 90s, where has she been all this time? Like, unless they make up some bullcrap about her being off planet for the last 20 years. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, 
But then even at that instant, she's going to run into the Guardians of the Galaxy somewhere exactly. in the exactly. universe. <clears throat> so you mean to tell me that she found out that the Power Stone was found by these, you know, five individuals like these, and uh, that these, these criminals they're, they're running? Then, uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it creates a very interesting, like, continuity error. And it's like, look, I get it. They've probably got a plan on how it's all going to work out and how they're going to explain everything. But... Ah, it just seems like like it's a totally unnecessary. If you're going to do Captain Marvel, just do the origin in the modern day time. That way you can avoid all this crap. But I don't know. And do it afterwards. Because, like, after, like... So if you have her, like, you have, obviously, we know at the Infinity Wars, like, Thanos is going to get defeated, whether he gets beaten <laughs> or whatever. He's beaten, He's going to get defeated. But mm-hmm. then you just touch on, then you could go back and do Captain Marvel and you can do her origin piece. That way, at least it looks like, like, hey, she understood what was going on. And then she came, we went back to the 90s. We saw her origin story. We learned who she was. We saw where she went. And then she came back to Earth. She saw everything happen. Because what are you going to do? And then you're going to be like, oh, well, she fought. In, she was in the 90s. She fought some of the scroll. And then she left. And she went to, to travel to different planets. And then when she came back, Thanos had already came. Like stop it, man! Like you're just you're just gonna upset fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just seems like a very odd thing to do with the character, and yeah, I uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm still gonna go see it no matter what. But but yeah, it just seems odd. It's very odd. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean. We kind of, we kind of went way deep into it, but like you know, and I'm gonna get back to the 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 topic at hand. Uh, I think the costume looks fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have a, a, a few nitpicks with it, but overall, I think it looks fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think because yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody keeps everybody keeps calling it like the greatest costume created. I'm gonna go out of my way and just say it's probably. In the top three, I don't think it's the top. I think, honestly, um, Spider-Man's costume for Homecoming, I think, like, that might be my favorite costume. And then followed by, um, like, Captain America in the Winter Soldier costume, I think, was great. Mm. Yeah, that was Like, I just like the self-suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably my favorite. My favorite Captain America. Um, probably my favorite superhero costume. Uh, like in terms of live action, uh, I'm I'm gonna say it. I love it so much. I love um, Ben Affleck's Batman suit in uh, Batman versus Superman because that to me oh, yeah. that's 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 the Dark Knight Returns come to life. And so yeah, that's that's my favorite. I would but, have yeah, to agree. Yeah. That's actually a bad too. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, um, you know, we'll see how the final suit turns out. Uh, like I said, it's just concept art for now, but who knows? <sighs> All right, so, so um, I don't know, Clifford, do you have anything else to add? No, man, it's just like normal, you know, how we, how we fade this out, man. You know, we... We're out here. We represent um, all walks of life. We definitely talk about everything that we have. We're always about pop culture. More importantly, though, we want to make sure that we bring out, um, you know, some of the awareness side. 
you know, me personally being on the military side, definitely veterans, uh, suicide is something that definitely hits home to me. Uh, 20, 20, uh, veterans to one active duty member, you know, just one life is too many to lose. And just, just like as Chester Bennington has taught us, you know, that one more light is, um, everybody cares about that one more light. It doesn't matter who it affects, it ultimately affects everybody. And we all care about that person. And, um, we're always here. We always reach out, and you can reach out to us and talk to us. We're always available. Uh, recently, just let you guys know, I changed my Snapchat name. It used to be Ice in the Veins, but I wanted everything to match, so it made it easier for guys to find me if they want to talk to me. So whether you're on Instagram, Twitter, or even on Snapchat, it's all going to be CM underscore Miller 85. Just reach out, and you can talk to me. I'll reach back. If I have no issues like talking to people. I guess there's something that's in me regardless. Um, but I'm here for you guys, and if you guys just want to talk about whether it's pop culture or you guys want to just get something off your chest because you feel like something's bugging you and you guys need someone to talk to, I'm here for that. That's right. That's right. Everything, uh, yeah, everything Clifford just said, uh, you know, we're, the two of us, uh, it's something that we both, uh, we understand very, very intimately and very deeply, and we we both try to do uh, anything and everything we can to help. So, again, you can reach out to Cliff. Uh, you can reach out to me on social media, on Twitter, I'm at uh, Tron Pilgrim, and on uh, Instagram and Snapchat, uh, Tron Pilgrim 87. Like Clifford, I try to make everything match, but apparently somebody took just the regular Tron Pilgrim, so, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but not faulty about that at all. But it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, that's that's how you do it. Um, Clifford uh, has another podcast that he does weekly. Uh, Clifford, go ahead and plug that. Yeah, so if you guys want to find out, um, you guys check out the blog or even the podcast itself. It's called Get the KO. So you can either find that here on anchor.fm forward slash get the KO, or you can go to your uh, Google Play Music or even your iTunes store. Just type in Get the KO in the search bar, and you'll find the podcast right there. Uh, we will be on later on tonight, uh, and I think we also have a special guest, so check us out. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to bring that up as well. Uh, we're going to start bringing guests onto this show as well. Um, I've got someone who is going to be joining us maybe maybe next week. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and Clifford, I know you you've got some people who might be interested in coming on the show. So any listeners out there, uh, uh, pretty soon it's not just going to be me and Cliff. So, you know, get excited about that. All right. One thing that I want to throw out. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to one of my friends. His name is Justin Calvaruso. Uh, yesterday he was at the Boston Comic Con and uh, he got oh. to take some pictures with uh, Black Canary as well as Oh, you're going to hate me for this. Antonio um, Firefly, uh, he played Alpha in Dollhouse. He's also played in The Dark uh, Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger, Red Hair, Individual. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah I, he, uh, I've, met, I've met Alan Tudyk. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, he got to take pictures with him uh, yesterday. Today he got to meet Stan the Man Lee. He's also got oh, pictures nice. with him as well. So just want to give him a quick shout yeah, out because you know, and it's it's sad to say this, but we both know this that uh, it's going to be soon that Deadpool is going to have to talk to Death about taking Stanley, and we all know this. 
So, you know, if you get your chance to meet Stan Lee, I've personally met him. Uh, I know. Yeah. I, haven't you met him too? Yeah, I'm, I met Stan. Great guy. Oh. Great guy. Had had a great conversation with that guy. <laughs> he is definitely so, one yeah, of the yeah. top, most amazing people to meet. But we know that this, this time is ticking. It's not on his side. Father time is catching up with him. And, uh, you know, so if you get that chance to meet Stan, I don't care if you have to pay $20, or $120, or $150, or $210, take the opportunity to meet the man who made your favorite superheroes because he is there. He's always willing to talk. He's such a great individual. Make sure yeah, you take yeah. the opportunity. Straight up, like what Clifford said, like this is the man who has created at the very least one of your favorite superheroes. So, you know, if you get the opportunity to meet the man, meet the man. Cause yeah, it's, you know, I hate to, I hate to bring this up. You know, we, we very recently lost Adam West and, um, you know, that was one of the guys I always wanted to meet. And unfortunately now I'll never get the chance. So yeah, if you ever get the chance to meet these people, whoever they are, take it. You know, like, just just take it. Because no matter what their age is, you never know what's going to happen. So take any opportunity you can to meet anybody who means something to you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, Clifford, um, any final thoughts? No, that's it. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, Like I said, I want to reiterate, like, what I said at the top of the show. We are not going to be... On Sunday next week, uh, we're going to broadcast on Saturday. So tune in. New bat time. New, uh, no, sorry. (laughs) New nerd time, same nerd channel. So join us next Saturday for that. All right, Clifford. uh, I'll talk to you then. Yeah. Peace.